Hello, service coordinators. Welcome to the Service Coordinator Podcast. Today we are joined with Carmen Hancock. She is the Vice President of Resident Services for Prospera Housing Community Services down in Texas, right? Down in Texas, yes, sir. How are you doing, Dan? Good, good. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, what's the temperature like in Texas these days? Oh, wow. We are, you know, it's uh, it's getting into fall, nice and cool, upper 80s. It's fantastic. <laughs> upper 80s. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, you and I spoke uh, probably a month ago. We were just chatting mm-hmm. along and I said, oh my gosh, Carmen, you're coming on the podcast no matter what. And you said, I don't have anything to talk about. And I said, well, we'll just talk about whatever, you know, so welcome to the podcast i know you're a fan of podcasts you do like your mystery podcasts so um, i do any fan of podcasts is a fan of mine so uh, (laughs) or i'm a fan of i should say that yeah so yeah i love the podcasts i love them (laughs) so tell me about what you do how long you've been at prospera and 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 kind of an overview of what you're doing there yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, Dan. I am really excited. You did not have to twist my arm very hard. No, I can agree to that. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Carmen Hancock, I'm the Vice President of Resident Services at Prospera. Um, Prospera has been around since the early 90s, um, established uh, in an effort to afford, uh, protect and preserve affordable housing. So, um, I've been with the organization almost four years now, and um, I'm just so excited with the progress that we've made in that time and the direction that we're going um, with our resident services. Um, We've got a great team, and yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. So, Prospera actually uh, is not just resident services. We also do property management and development primarily of um, LIHTC or low, in- low income housing tax credit properties. <laughs> so it's a lot of words there. So are you guys pretty much just in Texas? Just in Texas. We're getting ready to open our first property in Austin, which is sort of central Texas. Mm-hmm. And we go all the way down. We're a little over 50 properties at this point. We go all the way down to Brownsville, which is on the border. Okay. And out to the Western border. Laredo and Del Rio, and then over to Victoria. So it's a, it's a pretty enormous service area if you know how long it takes to drive across the state of Texas. <laughs> so did you grow up in Texas? I did not. I grew up in Kentucky near Louisville. 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 <laughs> you've got to say it like you've got marbles in your mouth. Louisville. Oh, Louisville. All right. Well, I'm going there in a couple of weeks for a soccer tournament, so. I'll, I'll be sure to practice before I go down there. So, so, so how many service coordinators do you have right now? And, and why don't you talk about how you have things set up? I know you talked about having kind of regional type managers right. or service coordinators um, over those service coordinators and directly supervising them. So why don't you tell me a little bit how the setup is? Right. Um, so we have, I have about 30, p- pardon me, 40 services managers at this point. Um, and they, you know, they're the direct, they're the boots on the ground actually in the properties. Um, they are supervised directly by four regional managers. Um, and then we have just reintroduced our assistant vice president position and then, and then myself. So, um, you know, the services managers really are 
they're the heart of it, aren't they? They're the ones that, that are actually in there working with people directly hands-on. Um, they're making it happen. The rest of us just sort of, you know, quality assurance, moving the pieces, um, directing programming, um, making sure that we have really high quality partnerships and, and that sort of thing. But yeah. yeah. So it was Prospera before you came in four years ago. What, were they were they all about resident services? Was this a push to the future? How, how, how did that end up? Was, was their goal to bring you in and, and kind of get it all set up or was that already taken care of? Well, we, they had been established with resident services for quite some time, 20, I think about 25 years when I started. Um, and, and don't take this the wrong way now, but when I started, there was a lot of like barbecues and bingos, right? Yeah. Um, and we really saw the need, um, you know, nationally and internationally, this push towards addressing social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. um, because, it, you know, when you're working with people that are in a higher needs population or, you know, they, they have um, just more, more needs in terms of or more desires, right? For more education, for a better job, for more stability, um, and that sort of thing. There's really a need for more than barbecues and bingos. So, um, so we took a look at the, the social determinants of health, which are all of those factors in your life that keep you well, that influence your quality of life outside of a clinical setting. So the things that keep you healthy and, and improve your quality of life that don't have to do with the doctor's office. Um, so that's really been our focus for the last four years, is digging into those factors and then implementing programs um, that are not just social in nature, but that are obviously educational in nature and um, also, you know, developing these partnerships that really address people's needs upstream so yeah so what 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 has been the kind of the big difference that you've seen or what what have the service coordinators maybe seen you know maybe they were used to oh i'm, I'm supposed to be kind of an activities director almost that's what my property manager told me to do uh now carmen comes in here and tells me i have to do all this stuff so what's it been like for the service coordinators um to you know Kind of step up their game and you know not just sit back and wait for a resident to come to them in their office you know be more proactive and, and be you know a bigger part of that community so what's what's been the reaction of your service coordinators right we're calling that assertive outreach <laughs> yes we're not sitting back and waiting for people to come in we're actively especially with covid you know it sort of forced the issue um you couldn't sit and wait for someone to come in your office because our offices were closed. Yeah. So we, we had our services managers immediately start reaching out via telephone to every resident assertively. What do you need? How can we help? Um, what's going on with your family? What sorts of resources do you need? So we're calling that assertive outreach and we're going to continue with that obviously right. after normal resumes. Yeah. Um, I think the services managers have been really, um, intrigued and engaged with the changes that we're making, um, especially with regards to training. So we, you know, acknowledge obviously the need for those, those basic, those foundational trainings like 
um, HIPAA, privacy, confidentiality, ethics, you know, that sort of thing, mandated reporter training. Um, but we're also introducing a whole host of other trainings that really give them the tools to um, identify potential crisis situations, to be able to um, have more confidence in the way that they're handling themselves um, in their communities. So um, we've gotten everyone trauma-informed care training. We also had um, our local Pride Center do an LGBTQA plus safe zone training. Um, and just this month, we've taken on, so yesterday actually, well, uh, I've got all of the resident services staff trained on mental health first aid, um, which has been tremendous. So we're really looking at trainings like that, that give them better tools and make them more confident in their roles. Right. So is this, is this something someone from your team is doing the training or you're bringing someone in or it's a, it's a, you know, a Zoom meeting or something like that? How, how are you bringing these new types of training, not necessarily new types of training. How are you bringing these to your service coordinators? So we've gotten really lucky. Um, we have a, um, our local um, transformational center, homeless shelter, but mm -hmm. it's, it's more of a transformational campus. Um, we actually do resident services at a property that's right across the street from them. Oh, okay. And so we've developed a really strong relationship with them. And um, just based on the nature of their work, they have access to all kinds of resources and trainers. So they have, um, they have graciously offered us trainings for free, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And then um, we have also delved into, not we're not delving, we dove into the deep end of the pool. Okay, we are we are there, <laughs> working with the managed care organizations here, and um, obviously their line of work also requires certain training. So they've also um, offered to help us get training for free and that sort of thing. At least this year, I think after this year, I'm going to have to start looking for grants to pay for training. But for now, <laughs> we're good for right now. So yeah. you brought up the managed care organization. So, so what are they coming to Prospera and what are they saying? Are they saying, hey, are, we have, you know, a, a small percentage or a large percentage of our members in your buildings. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know you have service corners, boots on the ground, like you said, and we yes. want to, you know, we want to be able to, you know, see them, touch them like your service coordinators do? How can we work? I mean, what, what's going on there with these managed care? And they come, did they come to you or do you, you went to them? It's probably a little bit of both. I yeah. think, so this, that, um, that push got started before I was here. So my historical through the grapevine is, um, one of the managed care organizations approached us uh, just through knowing our work and, um, you know, asked to start a little pilot program. Um, that was back in 2017. And once we started with that, that little pilot program, now we have, you know, we're just growing um, tremendously. At this point, we have three managed care organizations that we're actively engaged with doing all sorts of different services with them. One of them were doing um, a housing navigation service. Um, 
Another, we're doing direct outreach to uh, their Star Plus and Star Kids population. Mm -hmm. um, another one, we are working with them on uh, impacting um, the health of pregnant mothers and children. So they've assisted us with getting like refrigerator units and stocking those with healthy foods and things like that okay. in our centers. And then doing assessments, you know, family assessments that then guide them to different sorts of resources in the community. Um, the benefit, the real sell to the, to the managed care organizations is, um, is this, the telephone, right? Because <laughs> when I get a phone call on my cell phone and I don't know that phone number, especially if it looks like an 800 or an 888, I'm not going to answer it. Right, right, right. Right? And a lot of people are like that, um, especially, you know, with our senior population, you've got folks who, who are at a higher risk of getting, you know, scammed, taken advantage of, et cetera. And a lot of times people just don't answer the phone. They don't know who it is. They're scared. They don't want to talk to that person, whoever it is. Yeah. They don't know. So the managed care organizations, were finding more and more um they had a hard time getting in touch with their members yeah how would they <laughs> yeah. they're not answering the phone right um so they're not going to go you know pound down the door uh so one of the one of the the early benefits that we offered to them was if we know who your members are on this particular property um and we know what their needs are we can do the outreach for you right we already see them every day we already have a relationship um so you know we actually started to make impacts right away in terms of telling people you know that your insurance company's trying to call you you need to go do <laughs> such and such you missed that visit you've got to pick up this prescription um so that was a benefit to them initially and of course now it's just they're identifying all kinds of things that we can help them with. Right, right. So that service corps is really becoming that kind of middle person between yes. residents' health and that managed care company. So exactly. yeah, I, I know uh, I know National Church Residences has worked with a couple of managed care companies, and they've been doing that for a few years now. And you know, I think it's just it. I think I think the housing organizations and the managed care companies are still trying to figure out exactly what that system looks like. I know they know that, hey, our members are right there. You guys are touching them every single day with your service coordinators. You know, how can we make this work? And so I think, right. uh, you know, probably sharing our, our, our resources and our ideas and experiences um, between housing providers will, will probably mm -hmm. lead to a to a better outcome as far as uh, working with those managed care companies, because I, I think that's just that's it's not going away. Um, like I, like you said, I'm. It's like the phone calls. Residents are they're not checking their emails. You know, right. they might get something in the mail. They read it over and they set it over to the side. And so, you know, where's that communication? You know, happening these days. It's probably only happening with the resident <laughs> or with the resident, the service with coordinator. The so, service yeah. manager. Right. And, you know, in the, in the news, in the last few years, there really is, you see a lot of stories and I feel like, um, I hear people acknowledging that intersection between healthcare and housing, right? Because unless you have a stable place to live, 
you know, unless you have that quality place to live where you, you have a foundation and you have some stability and security, you're not thinking about all of the other factors that contribute to your health. You know, if you can't, um, if you don't have a place where you have electricity where you can plug in your machine, you're not, you know, taking your measurements daily the way you're supposed to. You're not doing your, you know, your diabetes treatments the way that you're supposed to. Um, if you don't have a stable place to live, I think the last thing that you're probably thinking about is going to the pharmacy and buying the prescriptions that you're supposed to take. Yeah. So, you know, we have to acknowledge that that stable housing is the first step towards addressing all of these other things. So, yeah. So for us, you know, we have the benefit of, of being in this industry where we can say, okay, we've got people, they're in a stable place. Um, you know, let's get them comfortable, let's get them settled, and then let's start saying, what is it that you need? Um, is there something that you need now that's a crisis situation? Uh, is there something that you want three years from now? Do you want to get that high school equivalency? Do you want to, you know, get your citizenship? Um, do you want to lose 50 pounds? You know, do you want to stop taking that diabetes medication? Well, then we can start working on all of those other things. But the first step is stable, secure housing. Housing with services. Yeah, you know, we've made a big push over the years where we were just a housing organization and then 10, 15 years really been all about housing with services and mm -hmm. Prospera is right there uh, along with us. So um, is there anything else that you would like to tell the service coordinators out there before we wrap this up? Um, I really appreciate you coming on and hopefully you'll come on again. We can think of some bigger and better topics because uh, I'd love to keep I, on talking to you about service coordination. So absolutely. So yeah. So anything else? You know, I I I want to say just for people that are listening, especially in this industry, over the last couple of years, um, it has become so apparent how important services management and service coordinators are in people's lives. You know, we have been that connection sometimes. Um, the only person that they might talk to for several days. So we, you know, offering resources, bringing food, just checking in and saying, are you okay? Um, people have really expressed how thankful they are and how grateful they are that we are there. And whereas before, like you said, maybe sit in your office and wait for something to happen. Um, I think these times with COVID has really given us a surprise opportunity to make deeper connections that that um, that we didn't really know that was going to be the the outcome of. But right. um, we've all had to dig deep, and it's all and it's been difficult. So um, definitely for the service coordinators, services managers out there, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, thank you for hanging in there over the last few years and and making the impacts that you have. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you, service coordinators. And I, and I think you're totally right. Almost, it's almost like COVID's given service coordinators permission to reach out more, reach out further. You know, really get to know know your residents even better. So, so Absolutely. maybe something's good come from from the COVID situation. So, Carmen, thank you so much for joining the service coordinator podcast. And anytime you want to come back on, just just let me know. Okay, thank you, Dan. This is great. All appreciate right. it. Yeah, thanks, Carmen. Okay. Bye. All right, bye.